And we're back, Stripe Show Podcast on a Monday. I'm your host, Travis Fulton. Thank you for making us part of your day. If you uh, if you like birdies in golf, then you probably should have watched the AT&T Byron Nelson because for the second consecutive year at TPC Craig's Ranch, KH Lee just filled it up. Last year, he was 25 under and won it. This year, he was 26 under in four rounds. <laughs> And one, I think I saw a tweet that said, if you are a plus six handicap, you would have missed the cut this week at uh, Craig's ranch. That's how good these guys are. And a guy that was uh, a part of the team for both of these wins joins us here today on the podcast. I'm fired up. He's coming to us live from Tulsa, Southern Hills, PGA championship this week. Chris Mason, how you doing, buddy? Hey, Travis, thanks so much for having me on. I'm not actually at Southern Hills. I'm in a, a crappy hotel room. <laughs> I'm excited <laughs> for this afternoon. Yeah, you're right there. You're in, you're, you're in the area. You know what's funny is I played Southern Hills in 1998 in the NAIA National Championships. <laughs> <laughs> Going back to my college days, 1998 NAIA National Championships. I don't remember a whole lot other than shooting like 78, 79 and putting the ball off the green on number nine. Oh boy. Yeah. I putted the ball at 15 feet above the hole. You'll be on the course. And I hit it and it was set up tough. I mean, it was fast greens and the, and the rough was way about out of my league and I hit it and it went all the way down. I was like, man, I, this is, that might be the most embarrassing thing I did. I had like 70 yards back up the hill. I've got to recreate it now. <laughs> So anyway, it's gonna be fun to watch it. It's a it's a great golf course. It, it really is. Um, your guy KH Lee, uh, you're gonna be uh, seeing him here a little bit later on this afternoon. KH gets his second win back to back. Now, before we get into the details, what's the first thing? What's the first thing you're gonna say to him when you see him? Is it like a big hug or what? Yeah, probably a big hug. It's you know these things are always interesting. You work so hard, obviously, to get a win. Um, you hope that you have time to celebrate it. And most of the time, you're just right on to the next week. Now, obviously, with this week being a major, um, that's even more so the case. He was keen for me to come in uh, Sunday night so we could get some work done Monday. Now, um, the prudent thing probably would be to take a rest and have a day off. But he's keen to go out and maybe walk and do some putting and just see the golf course a little bit. So we'll probably do nine late this afternoon. Um, it was funny. The first time I um, caddied for Steele, he won on the PGA Tour on the Safeway Open. It was the same thing. He won and then had to rush to get his flight to Malaysia for the next day. So, mm. you know, a lot of the times you see on TV are like, wow, it's going to be a great party and it's going to be amazing. And it's it's usually just straight to the hotel room to bed and then off to the next week. So um, you've got to take time as a player and as a coach to sort of celebrate the little wins along the way. And um, hopefully we'll be able to get some dinner and celebrate with the team this week. That's Brendan Steele, right? That you were that you were talking about. You've got quite the stable on the PGA Tour, LPGA Tour. Share with my audience just your stable as it stands right now. Yeah, so PGA Tour, I've got Cage Lee, Brendan Steele, Scott Piercy, and then on the LPGA, I've got about eleven players now. Um, most famous would probably be the Jutanagan sisters, Allison Lee, Matilda Castron, Yulu, Breen Delacour. Um, so too many to name probably <laughs> and then in the um in the amateurs i'm really really excited i've got a young group there gan yang is the u.s amateur champion from 2016 
or the US Amateur runner-up, Devin Bling from 2018, the, the uh, 2019 NCAA champion, Norman Jong, and then the number one amateur in the world, Ricky Castillo. So really good coming through as well. A um, couple of guys in the Corn Ferry, about five or six on the Epsom Tour. So very fortunate they, they trust me to help them with their game and be part of their journey. So I love my job and um, obviously learn so much from these players. And I always say, like, the players make the coach. It's not the other way around. Like, these, these players were incredible when they came to me. I'm just trying to find a, a low-hanging fruit and a little bit of polish to help them along the way. Let's talk about KH Lee because this, let's set the timeline with this player. Uh, KH is 30, uh, of course, from South Korea. And you guys are working together. Correct me if I'm wrong, Chris. You guys were working together last year when he won. Correct. And then he kind of split ties and, and, and worked with a couple other guys. And then he came and he came back to you about the Masters week this week. And then you guys kind of got back on the plan and, here he is again. He wins again under your tutelage a year later. Is is that accurate? Yeah, that's pretty much exactly right. Yeah. Okay. That's got to be frustrating. All right. Cause I know you can't say that, but I'm going to say that. Okay. So, so cage, look, listen here for a second. All right. <laughs> You're getting right into the meat here, Travis. Okay. So I'm going to go ahead and vent here for you. Cage, you win in, you're on the right track with Chris. What the hell are you doing after a win? Jumping and going and doing other things. And I know that's part of the business. I get it. And it's not personal. These players are exposed to so much, you know, and they have to make decisions. And, but for the life of me, Chris, I cannot understand <laughs> why when things are going well, especially a win on the PGA tour. I know. You're doing cage. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, it's part of the business. And, um, you know, as a coach, you do as good as you can in the moment. You, you know, set a blueprint as well as you can and just say to the player, like, if you trust in this, it's, this is how it's going to be. Uh, Cage and I have been together for about five years now. We met, um, he was on the Corn Ferry Tour at the time. And um, within a year, he'd got on the PGA Tour. And then it was just kind of continuing the process from there and culminated last year in the win at the Baron Nelson. So we're really excited about that. And you know, we got in a little fight at the US Open at Tory Pines and <laughs> just trying to keep him on the blueprint. And I think sometimes as a player, you you don't want to hear it the same, especially when, you know, when things are average and you're looking for another edge. You don't want to, you don't want to hear that the blueprint's the same. You want to get something new, maybe sexy, um, something that your buddies are doing. And hopefully that that's going to be the little edge that takes you even further. But all these players are incredible. We're not going to be changing the blueprint a ton. It's just sort of looking at their stats and trying to find, you know, the next lowest hanging fruit that you can pick and hopefully make a little bit of a difference. So this game's so hard. Um, you know, I have no animosity to any of my players if they feel like they can yeah. do better without me. And that's absolutely fine. Yeah. So he comes back on the masters, right? Get that phone rings, Chris. You look, Oh, okay. 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 Actually call me. Okay. So, you obviously take the call and um, you, you made a nice post on, on your Instagram. Go follow Chris at Chris Mason golf on Instagram. He's a great follow. And you've got all your player swings on there as well that you post, but he, he, he reaches back out to you, you make this post and you say blueprint, right? And I just hear you say it there. There's a blueprint that you guys established that clearly was working. So he comes back, you get back on the blueprint. Can you share with my audience maybe one or two things that are were like, okay, we've got to get back to 
A and B on this blueprint for Cage? What was that? So he's not the most flexible or mobile guy. We've been up to TPI and had him assessed. Um, you know, he's not, he doesn't love working out. So, you know, there's certain limitations within this body that are, that don't allow him to swing the perfect way that he wants to swing. You know, the, the Koreans grow up on the driving range. They think it's a, you know, a position system and that everybody has to swing it like Tiger Woods. And if it's not perfect all the time, then they, you know, they're looking for something different. Now, with KH, he has a tendency to not rotate his body on the backswing. He gets narrow with his arms and his hands and arms go up and the club gets laid off, which shoots the club and gets it a little bit steep in transition. And then he has to end up getting the high handle and flipping it. So basically everything I've done from day one is to try and get him a little bit more depth with his body turn, a little bit flatter and wider with his arms. So that kind of adds the shallowness on the backswing so that he can... Um, that he just so that he doesn't have to shallow it with a side bend on the downswing. So um, this this video actually I think he posted it was um, basically the weekend after the Masters I went down to see him in Orlando. Um, his arms were much higher than that, uh, more disconnected. He didn't have enough hip rotation. Um, the club gets very laid off, so we get steep in transition. So we're just trying to add a little bit of depth on the backswing then. So with that that space between the knees in there, you know, where he's turning that right hip a little bit deeper, you like to see that little window open up, and then of course that left arm just gets a little bit more around him. Is that is that correct? Yeah, I mean, I, even ideally on this one, like I would get him even flatter, flatter than this swing here. Okay, much better than where he was. This was literally I don't know two hours into our work, so mm -hmm. um, he obviously liked it because he posted it, but. Um, club gets a little bit more online the face gets a bit yeah. more full and then it naturally shallows better on the downswing as a result yeah so well let me bring this back in here again you look at um pull that back here so here he goes so yeah he gets a little deeper and then from there that club just it just kind of falls back into the position much better yeah and then he's just a little cleaner to to rotate coming through you know it's interesting laid off is, is a term that it's kind of fingernails on the chalkboard for, you know, most players, right? I mean, if you have a player like a Ricky Fowler where that's so much of his DNA, that's a really difficult thing to change. But if it's something that kind of sneaks in on a player, like a Spieth or maybe a cage, you, you kind of work to get it out, right? Because it, when they get a little short with the turn and the shaft lays off, then it, like you said, it gets steep in transition and then they it's just they've got work to do at the bottom to to repeat it yeah a lot of it's managing the forces on the grip so i prefer like i really don't like across the line um unless it's because unless it's getting long unless it's getting across the line because it's long like a phil mickelson or a john daly mm -hmm. uh, i much prefer laid off just because it has a tendency to shallow but a lot of people who get laid off they don't have the forces on their grip. And then what happens is the club kicks out and then obviously gets too steep on the downswing. Now, someone like a Daniel Berger or Sergio Garcia, they get laid off, but then are able to manage the forces on the grip to keep it shallow on the downswing. But mm -hmm. H can't like he, he starts to rotate out, which is a, which is a steep. And then the club, because it's laid off, kicks out. That's another steep. So then he has to side bend to add the shallow on the downswing in order to, um, get the club back on the ball. So, you know, everything I'm trying to do with him is trying to add a bunch of shallows on the backswing, right? Which is body depth, 
a little bit flatter arm and a little bit wider on the backswing um, mm-hmm. so that he can manage his, his, he's got really great rotation on the way through. So mm-hmm. what I'm trying to do is basically set him up so he can just shift and then rotate. How is he turning? What's he turning differently? What's his feel right there? Is it, does he, does, is it in the right hip? Is it in his spine, his shoulders? What is it? Yeah, I mean, obviously, players' feels are different, but like, I have a specific sequence that I like my players to use. Just, you know, I love width in the golf swing. I try and get the hands and arms as wide away from the player as possible, but um, feel like almost like the lead arm is pulling the lead shoulder, which pulls the lead lap, lead hip, lead thigh, lead knee in that order. So, so the last thing that should be moving is that lead knee. And then ideally, everything's stopping kind of at the same point at the top where the the lead shoulder and the trail hip are basically stopping at the same point. So you've got this huge, deep body turn, but the arms are short and wide in front of you. Um, that gives you that stretch cycle on the backswing to create the power, but obviously doesn't um, make the sequencing difficult if your arms run away from you at the top, like a lot of long arm swings do. PXG has done it again with the launch of a new lineup of drivers, fairways, hybrids, and irons. The new Gen 5 golf clubs deliver significantly increased MOI, faster ball speeds, longer distances, and tighter dispersions, all coupled with the exceptional feel and sound golfers have come to expect from PXG. Schedule your custom fitting or buy online at pxg.com. That's good stuff. And, you know, it's funny, I, I, I get a lot of you top teachers on here. And when we start getting into what are the players working on, oftentimes I would say eight, I would say 75% of the time it's backswing set up and backswing. Yeah. Yet I hear so often, ah, the only thing that counts is impact. Just getting a good impact. You know, it's like, well, wait a minute. Like the, uh, the backswing has some value here, right. And how you get yourself organized going back. And it's not just these best players like KH. It's, as you know, you work with a lot of amateurs, getting them structured and organized to some degree going back. And I mean, it just, it just improves the probability big time for amateurs. Yeah, you're, you're exactly right. I mean, it's, it's setting them up for success. Now, if a player has a weird backswing, but is able to manage the matchups on the downswing and it's consistent, right, and reliable, then there's no way I would change that. And I think what's beautiful about today's game is, you know, the top 20, 30 players in the world, like no two players have got the same swing. In fact, we're starting to see some very unusual moves from great players like uh, Victor Hovland, a Scotty Scheffler, um, you know, even Justin Thomas to a point with his arms getting so high. Um, you know, I think it's really helped a lot of teachers and a lot of players understand that there's so many more different matchups that are going to be efficient and work really well for you. And I think one thing that doesn't get um, talked about in the coaching world, which I think is a shame, is like teaching teaching players how to play the game better, mm-hmm. like rolling shots and flights and spin rates. Can you control your yardage? It's not a matter of having a perfect golf swing. It's just having the skills in order to put a score together. And my hope is that, you know, the next 10 years, coaches will get more into teaching that part of the game rather than like perfect swings. Yep. Um, so Cage, so he's he's showing up on campus here today. You guys are going to go out and 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 play um, nine holes. Now, as I understand, last week it was Dan Parrott, his caddy. That was only his second week on the bag as well, right? So, a relatively new caddy that worked out 
very well for him. And, and he's a, he's, he's an English guy. Yeah, he is. Yeah. He, yeah, he just came on, um, after the masters, I believe, um, uh, cage was with a guy called Brett Waldman, very experienced caddy, terrific guy, terrific caddy. He was amazing for KH, um, the last few years really gave him the confidence that KH needed. He was exactly what we needed on the team at the time. Um, and, and clearly, you know, I wasn't privy to any of the information, but Cage felt like he needed a change in terms of the caddy and the coach. So mm-hmm. um, Dan's come in, done an amazing job. He's a very experienced caddy, worked with Ben Arn for a long time. Um, he's worked with Lee Westwood before. So um, the guy knows what he's doing, he's confident. And, you know, I think you can't ask for more as a coach or a caddy when you come back on the team and then have success right away. Yeah. Um, you know, and a lot of that's just luck. And, and when we had the meeting after the Masters, I said, look, Let's get back on the blueprint. Let's let's take care of these things that are bothering you um, on off the course, and let's say we'll see where we are after the PGA Championship, and and we'll make a make a change from there. But you know, you, you don't want players swapping and jumping around different swing thoughts or different putts or different golf balls. Like you, you want them to kind of stick to the blueprint, run great mental process, and then sort of an analyze and assess after those few weeks, because then you can make. A lot more bet, a lot more better sort of measured cuts going forward. You know, as great as Tiger Woods was for the game, and he's in the field this week at Southern Hills. I, I think one of the things that he did is when he rebuilt his swing four different times, and then was able still to get back and be successful and the number one player in the world. I, I think that has to hit tour players' heads to like, well, I can, you know, I can make that those adjustments and. And, and more times than not, it, it, I don't think it works out more times than not. I, I think when they were settled in with the coach and they've had success and they're moving in the right direction. Yeah. The, you can, you can be moving in the right direction perfectly and having success, but the bottom line is you're still going to have some bumpy tournaments, probably some bumpy stretches, right? I mean, it's just, it's just a hard game. And when you're playing at the level that these guys are, there's just no room for error and, a bounce here, um, you know, a little unfortunate here break. And all of a sudden you're like, damn, I just missed the cut and I played great. <laughs> yeah. And it's, it's such a fine line. I mean, uh, one of my guys, Scott Piercy, who feel like we've got his game in a really nice spot and he's missed the cut since January. He's missed the cut by one shot six times. I wow. mean, it's, um, you know, it's just such a game of momentum, making the right part at the right time, getting a fortunate bounce, getting the right number. You know, you just, it's such a difficult game. And, and to your point with Tiger, you know, I'm hoping a lot of players will look back and say, well, you know, here's the greatest athlete of all time. He tried to change his swing and, and yeah, it worked out kind of for him, but would he be better off just sticking with that 2000 swing? Like, I think a lot of players are looking at that now and saying, you know, that's that's probably the right idea. And 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 I'm in a fortunate position where, you know, some people might might disagree, but I don't feel like I've ever messed anybody up because I'm not selling a technique or a method. Um, players that come to me are already great players within their own right. So I'm just trying to put some polish in what it is that they already do. So mm-hmm. I don't believe that there's like this perfect method that's going to get them swinging better, but I do believe there's certain... Um, there's some non-negotiables that I have and there's some preferences that I would have um, and they don't all fit with everybody. So, you know, you're just, just as a coach, you're trying to, you know, I keep saying low hanging fruit, but you're, you're trying to pick that and then, and then hopefully that 
that sets you on a course where the player's moving nicely and doing things that you want. So KH to this point um, hasn't had a lot of success in major championships. He, he's, he's yet to make the cut. So as you guys break down the PGA this year and, and you go out onto the course, obviously back on the blueprint, you know, you've had success. Is there one or two things that you feel like, okay, we, we've got to, we've got to do this to be a little bit more competitive now in these major championships, PGA open championship at St. Andrews is coming up. And then of course, um, well, the U S open, I'm sorry, after the PGA um, and then the open championship. So you got three majors. Um, what, what, what is it that you would point to with cage that seems you, you got, we got to be a little better here to be more competitive in these majors. A lot of it's just getting comfortable with the experience. I mean, it's, uh, you've been to major championships. It's, mm -hmm. it's a different golf tournament. It's a different experience. There's, it's a much, a, a much bigger circus, bigger marquees, bigger grandstands. Um, even, even during the practice round, there's so many people. So it's getting comfortable with those things and feeling like you belong. Now, if you're rocking up at a major championship just hoping to make the cut, you're not going to make the cut. <laughs> like he needs to be coming in and understanding he's playing, playing, you know, incredible golf, maybe top 10 in the world from last week, beat some amazing players, including the number one player in the world and Jordan Spieth. So he, I, what I'm hoping today, I was thinking about this last night is that he's going to come in, try and rest as much as he can and save some energy for the weekend. And, um, you know, just sort of, manage the golf course and, and not make huge changes. Obviously we don't need to do that with any part of his game, but it's just understanding where the energy needs to go this week and hopefully saving some for a Sunday afternoon. Yeah. His biggest improvement, it seems like since with the blueprint, like you look at him this time last year and then he, and he jumps off and he's doing some other things and he jumps back on. It, it looks like the biggest thing is just in the iron play, right? Like the, the approach game in the the net effect that what's been happening there in, in the backswing uh, and, and you would, th and there's incremental with the driver too. You would think, okay, he's more around that would, that's going to help the driver. But, but oftentimes I think the learning point here for the audience is that you mentioned the high handle and when, when a player has to start getting into that high handle, that's, very detrimental to iron game when you're trying to be very precise and hit the ball in quadrants to give yourself ample look. So the iron game has really been, it seems the biggest improvement. Yeah, I would say that. Yeah. The, the players, I mean, all the, all the great players that I've worked with always have a very um, strong sense for whether they're close or not. Um, and then they push me to make sure they get where, wherever it is that they want now. You're talking about the high handle. I, I I hate that because it adds a lot more twist through through the hitting area. So um, obviously, the shallower it is on the downswing, the more incentive it is for you to rotate your body on the way through, which gives you a more passive face and obviously gets the vertical swing plane of the shaft down as well, which is which is really great. So you know he's he's feeling better with the swing. He's obviously hitting much better shots. Um, it's going to be interesting to sort of do a recap with him um, today to, to feel, you know, his, his swing feels change all the time, day to day. He's sending me videos all the time, <laughs> you know, versus the other guys who are, who are very experienced. You know, Piercy's been on tour for 15 years. Brendan's been on tour for 12 years. Um, 
they're less concerned with how their swing looks, more on how it feels and whether they're getting the numbers that they want. Um, so, yeah, I'm excited for a rundown today. And, and you know, I, I keep talking about this blueprint and, and for even if you're amateurs listening, you know, when you go and see a coach, their job is to put a blueprint together for you where you're not really ever deviating. A great coach, in my opinion, can, can take something, that first lesson, measure and analyze and make, a, make that first cut, and it's the right cut. And if it is, you can just keep doing that and should continue to get better. Now, obviously, the players that I'm working with probably just have one or two things that they need to do. If an amateur has 10 things to do, you're hoping the coach can, can identify that one that improves six. You know, and then from there, you've got four left. Hopefully, they can identify the one that improves the other four. So you're constantly improving by just working on the same thing. And, and then it's, you know, you hope as a coach, the player goes away and is accountable to just doing that one or two things um, and trusting in that process. And sometimes that's the most difficult part. Yeah. And sometimes they, they come back with a, a golf digest with a picture open. They were like, well, what do you think of it? You know. It happens, right? I mean, (laughs) you know, in KH's defense, you know, he played in the U.S. Open in 2014. So he was only 22 at that time. And then he he's played in one Masters, which was just this last Masters. He's played in only one other PGA. He's played in two, three U.S. Opens and he's never played in the Open. So, I mean, he's 30 years old, but he's he's kind of a young professional golfer, right? Like to your point in showing up in major championships so much as the experience and he's just kind of got just now getting the experience. So I would think in many ways, KH now with two wins, he's got some security. Um, the blueprints established. If he leaves after the PGA, Chris, this year, I will personally call him myself. Okay. Um, I will personally call him myself because he's really, I mean, come on, he, he's kind of coming into his own right now. Don't you think? I mean, his best golf his prime is right now. You, you would think it's the next five years. Now, obviously, he's just had a kid, and a lot of the times that's very difficult to manage. Um, kind of sort of how the wife feels. I mean, his, his wife's terrific, but, you know, a lot of the times it's difficult when you're traveling as a family. You've got the car seat and the baby seat. And, um, you know, if the wife gets left at home, she's on a home with a baby. Like, there's, there's a lot of different things, and you see it a lot out on tour um, with, with guys who are either newly married or, or freshly got a family. It's the priorities change. The timing is much more difficult. So we'll see if he can manage that. But you would think the next five or six years is sort of his prime time where he understands the game, hopefully understands his body and what works well for him and kind of sticks to that. So, um, you yeah, know, hopefully we'll enjoy the next few years together. But I said to him when we met back up, you know, there are no coaches out there with any magic. I mean, it's no. physics. You just you stay to you stay to the um, blueprint if you can, um, and, and including me. Like I came back and I just did the same stuff we've been doing for five years. Like it's there's not there's no magic to it. At the end of the day, the player is the one in the arena. They're the one hitting the shots, um, and there's no coach who's going to make that exponentially better. Scotty yeah. Scheffler is going to be incredible, irrespective of of his coach. Same with Tiger. Same with Jack. I mean, it's. Yeah, unbelievable on their own. Yeah, well, you've got a good handle on it, man. Um, you know, congrats again on um, the early success here and getting him back on the blueprint. And 
you know, he's his best golf should be, like you said, the next five years and show up today with kind of Bo's chest out a little bit coming out winning like cage, not cage is not, he, he doesn't, he doesn't walk the line of arrogance. Right. I mean, he's kind of, he's, I loved his quote about, I think he said something to the tune of, you know, I work out pretty hard, but I like to eat too hard. <laughs> so, you know, when we first met five years ago, I said, what are your goals? And he says, oh, I want to be number one sexy golfer. And I <laughs> fell over and thought, I thought he was just telling me that. And then he oh. started telling everybody in the media too. It was hilarious. Yeah. Yeah. He's got a little personality to him too. I like it. He's yeah. You know, he just seems, he just seems very authentic, right? Like what you see is what you get. This is, this is what I do. And um, yeah, I, I, I like it. And um, it's going to be fun to watch him and have the success on the PGA tour, but also now, and I think in his mind, show up today and feel good about yourself. He belongs with these guys. Right. And, and it's time now to, all right, let's go out and let's go out and compete and maybe get in the hunt late on a Sunday in a major championship to see how that feels. Yeah, yeah, and that's I, that is obviously the next goal. Um, you know, you've won two. Hopefully, you go win somewhere else. Um, get yourself up there on a Sunday of the of a, you know of a major championship, and that's really the next goal. And that will come with confidence. It'll come with time, and just you know, feeling like you belong. Um, I always love when Brooks Kepka says, "Oh, you know, you turn up to a major, and you know, there's only thirty guys that can win, and and you know, only ten of them are playing any good." So. You know, there's a there's a there's a mental aspect to these things that a lot of players can't handle, and um, I truly believe KH has that ability, and he he's you know surprised me a little bit when he's got in these situations like yesterday where he just keeps his foot on the accelerator. You yeah, know, he, he's he's not backing off. He he wants to win. He wants to be in there, and um, and you know a lot of players can't get it done, and he can. Yeah, the up and down on seventeen was big time. That was a huge putt down the hill left to right. I mean, that's a, that's a difficult putt. And then that fairway wood on the last hole. I mean, you mean you hit a fairway wood just past the hole and now you only got 20, what, two feet back down the hill for Eagle. I mean, those are, those are big heady shots um, under the gun when the pressure's on. So yeah, he, he's demonstrated that, look, I, yeah, I can get near the lead and I'm comfortable. Right. So it's, I think the mentality in the major now starts early, right? It's like, it starts right now. I belong here. Yeah. It's a, it, I know it's a major championship, but let's go. Let's I'm playing good golf. I feel good. Let's let's tee it up. All right. Good stuff. Chris Mason. Thanks for joining us from Tulsa. Go follow him at Chris Mason golf on Instagram. I appreciate your time, man. Best of luck this week. Thanks so much for having me, Travis. Cheers, mate. All right. Awesome.